0: Sarah here of the ADH Podfest admin team with the second astounding panel from last year's super inspiring audio drama hub Podfest. <laughs> with a short pitchathon thon session to start, we then join the effervescent, amazing, brilliant Naomi Clark in the chair with panel guests. Give them a cheer as I say their name. Alistair Stewart, Marguerite Kenner, Chloe Henry and Pip Thorne with a silent... Michael Ireland on the PowerPoint slides. Enjoy! Okay, do you want to come and choose a number of happiness and joy to be our first pitchathon? That's a very exciting moment. There should be a drum roll or something, damn it. We didn't think through that. Number? 40. 40. We have a winner! Would you like to come up? Because that's the other important thing. Superb, up you come. <laughs> Uh, hi, I'm Kit
1: Robson. I dialogue edit for Nably, which I guess is what I'm going to be talking about. Next.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, next? And can we get a five, four, three, two, one with the timer? Mostly task people. Okay, <laughs> good <cool>. luck. <laughs>
1: So, you should definitely listen to Lavely. It is a show about the houses on a street called Little Street. It is an Irish indie audio drama, and it is a wonderful time. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, you. It has a variety of horrible things written by a variety of wonderful writers from all around the globe. Uh, you start with vampires you have weird mushroom tree ting things honestly if you can think of something that's quite scary someone's probably written about it Uh, we have a wide variety very queer characters some delightful storylines some of them are just romances with horror elements uh, filled in it's a wide variety of genres because like I said every house is there's like seven eight writers and they all have very different styles so there will be something for you on this show uh we have wonderful music composed by a lovely composer alex schwartz uh who is wonderful and their tunes are just honestly make the show if, the, if people go like can you make some music for this vibe alex and they're like yes yes i can uh, <laughs> Uh, yes and there is sound design it's a single voice narrator most of the time Uh, there are a couple of bonus voices in there Um, yeah it is 20 episodes per season and like i said every season is every episode is a different house there's recurring characters Uh, you get attached to them and then horrible things happen to them (laughs) whoops (laughs) it's just a shame and yes, I sound designed some episodes. There's Matty, M- Matthew O.K. Smith, is the narrator, director. He does all of the hats, and he is great. And he also sound designs for most of the episodes. And yeah, it's a lovely time. You should definitely check it out. No questions.
2: Hello. <laughs> so your
0: name on your podcast, and then you're two
2: minutes, we'll start. Hi, I'm Bonnie Calderwood-Aspelmore. They, them, I am an actor in Rogue Maker. We'll be doing m and tomorrow.
0: woo
2: oh! oh! Two minutes, if you go. It's... Uh, science fiction, and it is a mystery. Uh, it, has, it spans many genres, some of which the writer didn't know until we told her. <laughs> it has a large ensemble cast. Um, everyone's voices are different, so you can tell them apart. It's awesome. <laughs> um, there are a mixture of humans and aliens. Um, there are a lot of queer characters. There are an adorable couple who I'm one of. Uh, everyone loves us. <laughs> um, Alistair Stewart is not it. <laughs> (laughs) playing an amazing character. Um, All the characters are really interesting and well-rounded. It has lots of cosmic horror uh, content of people being alone in space. Oh, yeah, the story. Um, (laughs) A group of people on a commercial, uh, very cheap um, interstellar flight. Yeah, thank you. Science! Um, On an interstellar flight, the flight explodes and everyone has to get into individual escape pods and are ejected into space and the AI won't communicate between them and can't hear them and it's very stressful and we all cope very, very well. Um, and then have to figure out who done it, why done it, and what is the bigger thing that might or might not be going on in the background. Um, and it's really, really fun. <laughs> Should I just keep going? Oh, Jesus. Ask me about science. I can't do... So what? Rogue Maker, a science fiction podcast. <laughs> Oh, it has really amazing music. It's got in, uh, like it's got three original songs as well as fantastic background music. <laughs> yes, and it's going to have a mini album when when Emma does that <laughs> of the songs.
0: What's your name, please, as you're coming to the front? Perry. Welcome, Perry. Can we give a rapturous applause, please, for Perry?
1: 643 is a sci-fi podcast set in the far, far future following a character called Irvin Botkin who has discovered the plans for a microchip designed by his father who unfortunately died before he was able to make it. So he's trying to make it with the help of his friend Cameron Carter and also a really adorable robot called Dottie and also Alistair Stewart's in it. <laughs> <laughs> Four Rats Hub on Twitter. Yeah. Ancor643, A-N... K O R R six four three at four rats hub. <laughs>
3: um, I, I think I'm going to have to register, register an objection. Alistair seems to be in more shows than me these days, so. <coughs> Thank you, everyone. I hope you have fed, watered, and generally nourished yourselves appropriately. Good. That means we'll be seeing you later. Good to see you back. It's now time for our second feisty panel. A delve into that dreaded dark art of podcasting, marketing, (laughs) better pitching, sustainability, and more with our guests, Chloe Hendry, Pip Thorne, Marguerite Kenner, and the inimitable chair, Naomi Clark. And Alice is in it.
4: Hi, I'm Naomi Clark. Uh, I write for The Secret of St. Kilda. Uh, These are my, thank you, these are my wonderful guests. We have uh, Philip Thorne. He's the co-creator of Amelia Podcast. He's a freelance writer, and he's also a recovering magician. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, We have the imitable Chloe Hendry. Chloe can do literally anything, and she does. And uh, also runs uh, Ethics Town Pod, which is currently crowdfunding, so if you haven't given him your money, now's a great time. Thank you. And we've got podcasting's number one power couple. <laughs> Titan of industry, unstoppable woman who scares the shit out of me. <laughs> it's Marguerite. And we've got radical soft boy and all-around little, little, lovely lad who is not too tall. It's Alistair. woo-woo! <laughs> okay. uh, is there anyone here who does not have a podcast? Great. Now's your chance. Fab. Uh, So, uh, obviously, we've all had a panel before. Uh, This is going to be a panel on crack. Are you ready? So, uh, (laughs) there are going to be activities. I'm going to yell cut. Uh, We're going to be rocking through at like an extreme speed. Are you ready? Fab, are you a podcast survivor? So, uh, I have five topics for us today, and I can probably remember them off the top of my head. So, we're starting with Philip Thorne, who is going to talk to us about sustaining your podcast. We're going to then move across to the inimitable Chloe Hendry, who's going to talk to us about fundraising. Then we're heading to Marguerite. So you made a podcast, now what? Thank you. Marguerite, he's going to talk about merchant advertising. And because Alice is such a lovely guy and he's been in everything, he's going to be talking about networking. And then we're going to talk about the devil that is social media. Fab, ongoing support. Now, Philip, you have a very successful Patreon and a Ko-fi.
3: We don't have a Ko-fi, we do have a Patreon.
4: I've been lied to. <laughs> What is it that makes a successful Patreon, and how can we do it with the least amount of effort required? Asking
3: the I kind of feel Patreon is something that kind of gets easier as you keep doing it, and the longer longer you keep doing it. Uh, Because it's very, very hard to start a Patreon, because, um, so take the Amelia Project, for example. If you become a patron today at the $5 tier, you've got a five-year backlog of bonus content. You've got about 20 bonus episodes, you've got tons of visual material, you've got uh, 10, 15 live shows that are you know, being put on there as videos and so on. So right now, it, it's, you know, it, it's a, yeah, it's it's a good deal. But if you became a patron two and a half years ago, there was half of that. And if you, be, if you were one of the very lovely people who became a patron in our first year or in our first few months, there was pretty much nothing there uh, for the same, you know, for pledging the same amount. Um, so it's really difficult. Like, how do you, yeah, how do you kind of start a patron, a Patreon? Uh, I'm assuming everybody knows what, patron is so it's a kind of like a subscription service where you where a listener can pledge um, a certain amount that they choose or you kind of offer suggestions for for what they can pledge per episode that you put out at least that's the way we do it you can also do it per month um and um yeah and 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 in return for their pledge you offer something you offer a, a perk a reward uh, and these perks and rewards are very important and i and I, I think what you offer can offer as a perk also kind of really changes um as your patreon grows um cut yeah.
4: So if you were going to describe the <laughs> ideal don't worry about it if you were going to describe the ideal reward what are the things that you need to be thinking about
3: so i th- i would say at the beginning do something that is really um uh, personal, unique, high effort. So um, for, for, for us, what we did is I sent every single patron a postcard. Even if they just pledged $2, I sent them a postcard. Hardcore. Um, yeah, so um, uh, uh, wherever in the world they they were. After a, after a while, that no longer becomes sustainable. So then we made that uh, kind of, a, I think, a $10 reward, and then eventually a $20 reward, and then now it's no longer a, a reward at all because otherwise I would, yeah, just be licking stamps instead of uh, writing so um uh, uh and then as you grow what you you um have to uh focus on rewards that are scalable so that you can make once and that can go out to everyone so what people love are um, extra audio minisodes or full length episodes which it's not sustainable to do that at the beginning because then you i mean it's it, cut
4: again to your profits because you're uh, not absolutely doing the same so I'd
3: say a great reward at the beginning to entice patrons is do something that is really kind of personal and qu- but quite high effort on your end, um, and then uh, because that you know you don't yet have that kind of library of value that people can... later you can be have much more low effort rewards because people are already tapping into that big backlog of bonus content, um, so later you have to in order to keep producing your actual regular show focus on rewards that are. Yeah, which are um, scalable, one-time. And you can still do kind of, uh, you know, send out things or do kind of really special things for people at, like, super high Give us
4: more money. Fab. So uh, I did say there would be activities. So if you have a device, you can go to Mentimeter... Um, and you can put in what reward you would do. I'm going to collate these with a little, like, screen grab and post them on Twitter before it dies. See, only one of those jokes I'm going to make this evening, I promise. Okay, so I'm going to leave that up. Uh, so the next thing that we're talking about is with Sir Chloe Hendry. What's up? So uh So you are not only the Secret of St. Kilda's uh, golden boy, but you are also your own creator doing fundraising right now for... town. Ethics (laughs) town. Ethics town, which is great. Fab. So I want to know what do you think is most important when building your fundraising?
5: Prep in advance. If you can prep more than a month in advance, prep more than a month in advance. If you aren't the writer of your show, you want the writer of your show to be writing on your crowdfunder because you want to be concise and you want to be engaging. If you have a team... Please have a team. You need them on board. Everyone say nice things to Kai. Kai has been so helpful and wonderful. Hi, Kai. Nice yeah. things to Kai. Because it really feels like you're doing it out there by yourself, and it's really nice to have your team with you. Um, Prep your rewards in advance. If you're using Seed&Spark, someone will go through that with you. That's really nice of them. (laughs) I recommend it as a platform. If you can have digital rewards, that's really helpful because it means you're not sat in your house making and posting things. Unfortunately, people do like receiving physical stuff. (laughs) Bit of a double-edged sword this one, but if you can make cool digital stuff, I highly recommend cool digital stuff. Way less effort on you, the poor, poor creators part.
4: Fab. So uh, I'm going to jump in just a little bit because you are currently partway through uh, and you were very instrumental in our building of the Secret of St. Kilda, which funded in 24 hours. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) And the thing that we did is uh, we got uh, a little bit of help. We had a Kickstarter consultant, turns out that that that's the thing that exists. Um, And we set our minimum at £10. That was it. You could give less. But like you didn't get nothing before ten pounds, and you'd be surprised how many people have ten pounds. Uh, everything was digital until you got to about fifty pounds. It was ridiculous, but people they were they were into it. Um, the other thing that I would suggest is you can personalize things with the help of Photoshop and a spreadsheet, which is what we did. We made our personalized fortunes, which you might have seen on po- social media, which was just me and Chloe uh, in a large <laughs> large spreadsheet write, writing hundreds of individual individualized fortunes uh, which we then used basically photoshop to slap onto an image that was branded and then they all got sent out so that would be something i would recommend now if you have a show and you're doing a fundraiser i want you to think about the question which is coming up on your device now or in a minute depending on how far mick has got through so what i'm talking about is log lines so uh, ethics town is a beautiful beautiful show what is the log line that you use to get people to enjoy ethics town do you want to explain what a log line is no. Yes. A logline <laughs> A logline is a pithy two-line beastie that says this is what the show is, this is what to expect in its most condensed form. It's the thing that when people see your show, it's like, it's the secret of St. Kilda, a
5: strange island where terrible things happen. Boom, done. I don't remember my logline, but I'm going to give it my best shot. <laughs> Love that for you. Ethics Town is a cosmic horror podcast about political malpractice and deceit.
6: <laughs>
5: <laughs> we won't answer the philosophical questions for you, but we will dance around them in a fun and theatrical manner. And Alice Stewart is there. (laughs) I'm sorry, you've been cast now.
4: (laughs) Okay, so Marguerite, you've been running EA Podcast for how many years now? Eight, almost nine. Disgusting. (laughs) It's a very good network with many great shows on it, but you also sell merch and you do advertising. Would you like to tell us about that? What would you recommend that people need to be thinking about before they try and
6: advertise and sell products. We are all creative people. And so when we think about the products that we sell, we think about our shows. We think about, you know, swag, we think about pins, we think about buttons. But you're not just selling a creative product, you are selling access, you are creating a community. And if you do if you look at research about what people want out of podcasts. They want access they want to feel special they want to be part of a group that gets access to things that other people don't. Notice me senpai
4: <laughs> but, like, Joke for one guy
6: <laughs> you've just sent everyone on a tangent. Thank you very much so I really liked your comments about with Patreon scalability is huge because once you get above a certain size, you can't lick all those stamps. You're absolutely right, and digital rewards are a good way to do that. But so is access, events, Q and A's, uh, you know, uh, special Gather Town parties. There are all sorts of other events that you can do, which are about giving a special experience to your core supporters. And those events can be a lot to coordinate, but the nice thing is they can also be very cheap. <laughs> um, and it, it's just the, the difficult part becomes, you, know, you have to be careful about things like moderation and, and making sure that you're providing as much equity in your access as you can make possible. Um, advertising, uh, long story short, there's not a lot of trickle-down at our scale. Most of the podcast advertising budget goes to big productions. It's a scale thing. Again, the BBC or Hollywood is always going to pour more advertising money than we are. And we all love each other dearly and pass around the same 10 bucks, but advertising doesn't work that way. It works on scale. It's why networks are so big. Again, we're starting to see coalitions of podcasts with similar themes or topics who are trying to leverage that with add placers to get more payment, basically.
4: Fabulous. Thank you very much. Um, You've got another question, which is uh, what would you pitch your show as for advertising purposes? Like, what kind of advertiser are you looking for? Alistair. Yes. uh, You know everyone and have been everyone at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What do you think is the key thing about networking when you are a very small creator... And you're trying to influence other creators to give a shit. I'm good. Okay, give a shit about your show.
7: There's I got like a two-part answer to that. The first one is everyone needs to be aware, you are creating art in 2022 in the UK.
4: And everything's on fire.
7: And if if you are a straight white guy, the world is on its easiest difficulty setting and it's still hard. For everybody else, it is borderline impossible. The psychological load of doing what we do is extraordinary. And the UK's national culture is configured to just assume that you're fine. You're not. And admitting that you're not is okay. Because once you do that, once you admit that you're frightened and that you feel really bad about this and that it's really hard, you can then do it anyway. And then you can have cake.
6: And more importantly, you're talking about networking. Don't yeah. do it alone. God, Look around. No. There's lots of people who like, want to help or want to get involved. We all work day jobs. We all exist in late-stage capitalism. We have to eat. You know, Nobody's going to credit. You. Nobody's going to have a go at you for not being able to do your creative passion full time. So to do that, you have to find like-minded people and take a big job and split it up among many hands. You just have to.
7: Which was going to be my second part, but said better.
6: She's the one who said power couple, so she's empowered me to cut in.
7: High five. Hiya.
6: Sometimes I feel very
4: alone up here. So, um, we... (laughs) It's all right. Uh, Our next thing is talking about the devil that is social media. Because, uh, obviously, everything's burning. It's really hard. And, unfortunately, a large weight that is on us as creators at the moment is to do the job of like eight or nine or 10 people, and a lot of your marketing is social media. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start at this end with Alistair, and I'm going to ask for each person to give me a tip about how they handle the weight of social media.
7: Schedules. Um, because if you don't, if you just do the, oh, I have half an hour, I should probably do a couple of tweets. You won't, or the ones you'll do will be rubbish. Take two hours, build 60 promo tweets, put them in a spreadsheet, it's what I've done, and then schedule them through something like TweetDeck. For other stuff, things like TikTok, pick a time. If you want to game it, I'm sure there are studies out there as to what time TikToks have the, be- the largest audience when you put them out. Um, even if that isn't... If you want to do that, do that. If not, just going, it's Friday, I'm going to put out a TikTok that's talking about some work I've done will do two things. It will mean that your audience is trained to come find you at that time. And it will also mean, this kind of speaks to the psychological load point, you gain the thing which no creative in any industry below a certain level ever has enough of, which is catharsis. You get done. You can look at a job and go, I've done that. I've achieved something. I've pushed whatever this is two inches further up the hill this week. That's all right. And the nature of so many of our brains is such that without that, we punish ourselves or we don't let ourselves off the hook. And that kills you. Don't do that.
6: Power couple. You are not talking about yourself enough. It doesn't matter how much you talk about yourself. If it feels like you're not – if it feels like you're talking about yourself enough – you're not talking about yourself enough. You have to engage three to four times. There are time zones. This is a round ball in space, right? Not everybody's up at the same time. Three to four times a day minimum, especially if you're crowdfunding, is like the recommended level of engagement. Now don't, scheduling is good, but you gotta be careful that it's not, please come look at my show, click. Please come look at my show, click. You know, engagement always will do better than just raw promotion. But volume, unfortunately, is important. There's an author friend of ours who ran a very successful Kickstarter, and and she talked about it incessantly. And the day it closed, a family member came to her and said, oh, I didn't know you were doing that. (laughs) So be Uh -uh. conscious about your audience. Just a tangent point about that as it relates to marketing. So because we are all independently funded creators, any audience that we engage with we only capture, if you're lucky, one to 3% of that audience will actually convert into somebody who's gonna support you. So the key in independent creation like this is to get as many of those audiences as possible. Platforms are a way to do it. Get them on, you know, get them on Patreon, get them on Ko-fi. Um, crowdfunding sources is a way to do it. Get a Kickstarter audience. Uh, try to stay on the same crowdfunding platform because if you jump from Kickstarter to Seed&Spark, for example, then you can't notify everybody who was with you in Kickstarter last time. but also think about other aspects of your life outside of your creative field that has another audience you can capture. Do you have an active religious community that you're involved with? Do you have other hobbies that have overlap? Even some co-workers at your day job may be interested. Try to get as many audiences as possible because you're going to capture that 1% to 3% in every one of those audiences. Fab.
4: Now, Chloe, you are 22 now. I am. Yeah, so... Sage. <laughs> the, the number good. one tip that I can give you is 22 year olds are fucking great at social media. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Chloe, please take the floor. <laughs>
5: You want a secret or an inside joke that your audience wants to get in on with you. You want to be posting about something, first of all, probably with your team, but then with your fans that other people are going to see. And they'll be like, this is interesting, but I don't get it. And now I'm going to go away and find out what it is. And then they'll want to look back through your social media to find out where the joke came from. They'll be engaging with more of your material. and Also, it's just a really nice, fun time for you and your team. So second bonus point, hype up your team. They are everything in the world to you. You should know at least one show or project that one of your team members has worked on. They're, you know, you're, doing it, you're doing this together. You're in this together. Love your team. Say nice things about them online. And then people will see you doing that and also be like, oh, these guys are so nice. They love and support each other.
6: Community. You're selling
4: the community. Selling a community.
6: The cult, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Not a cult.
4: <laughs> now, you have a very particular secret, or I say secret meme. Uh, which is Coco and Duremejo? I'm going to say this wrong. Uh Thank you. Just trying really hard. Um, what would your social media tip be, knowing that you already have two excellent pieces in play?
3: Um, I'd also say get a Chloe. Um, <laughs> we 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 also have a 20-year-old doing. A <laughs> doing tumblr we we set up a tumblr account forgot all about it and uh, then um somebody con- or no actually we contacted that we saw there was somebody on uh, a, a listener of ours on twitter say from germany saying that their internship had just fallen through this was during covid they needed an internship so we contacted them saying would you like to um do an internship with us uh and uh they they their university was fine with that and now they've Stuck on to become a production assistant, and uh, they have te- they took over our Tumblr, which was completely dead, and turned it into uh, an, an amazing place. Which it's thriving. Nice I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So. Uh, that's, uh, so, um, and we've divided it up. So they do Tumblr. I do Twitter. And uh, Alan Bergen, who we all know and love, does Instagram. And um, and I'd say with um, with with Twitter, just I, I, I think it's great to to do things that are fun. Like we do lots of um, uh, we have that's our logo, the Amelia Project. And as you can see, there's a um, Morse, Morse code. code around it. So yeah. a week the week before each episode, we change the Morse code um and uh, by now people kind of know that so we just tweet out a new logo saying something like you know the drill and then you know and then the retweet the quote tweets and the replies happen by themselves because people are excited because they found it out and they kind of they feel riddles of themselves they've
4: got a little secret um now chloe just because obviously we're talking about social media and you're 22 years old um tumblr for podcasts
5: i would like you to convert the team here Tumblr is a really good place for podcasts. A lot of your audience has probably already hopped there now that they're seeing Twitter is burning. I know a lot of people are moving their individual accounts to Mastodon, but it's not looking that great for having a podcast account. It's difficult to crowdfund there, and it's difficult to share you know, daily posts about you know, the material that you're making. Tumblr, it's like running a blog. You've got to put a bit more effort in than you do with Twitter because there is no word count. You can ramble as much as you want. and <laughs> uh, You've got to learn how to use the tagging system before you can really be engaging with the audience, but there's loads of threads on there already that are sharing like everyone's accounts. So we're trying to bring everyone together on there now that things are going wrong. It's also <laughs> you a hard platform, isn't it? It's hard yeah, hard it's hard you'll be able you'll be able to really engage with your audience. Um, I would say right now, be careful about that. You're going to want to tag in place to keep a bit of distance from them. They'll really appreciate it. You'll really appreciate it. There are things on Tumblr. It's an excellent place, but there are things.
6: So um, ask me about the first time I searched for Alistair's name on Tumblr. Nope. Um, So uh, it's a great and artsy platform. You should use it. You must have, must, 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 must. You must have a tag that you develop with your community that is, hey, creators, this is not for you. You've got to have that. You've got to have that level of distance so that your art community can be your community and your fans, but you don't see things you will not
4: There are some forget. things you just shouldn't see.
6: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, and
4: as a writer, I don't look at any of our fan fiction. I love that it exists. Great. Lawyer
6: says good. <laughs>
4: Uh, but uh, Chloe just like lets me know how it went because then I don't have to look at it.
5: I've seen (laughs) everything.
4: Okay, so uh, that is the brief version, the on crack, fast time, speed racer version of marketing. Now I'm going to roll over to you. Does anyone have a question they would like to ask our established
6: guests? So this question is a bit of a brain parasite that's been festering in my brain for this entire panel. Um, In order to do a podcast on the level that you guys are doing it, does it leave you any time to write anything else? Or is that your life now?
4: If I don't write, I get yelled at. So um, that's that's what happens to me. Remember how we said you need a
6: team? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you need a team. Because... We're independent creators, and so we don't have the benefit of what institutional creators have, which is a marketing department and a distribution network and all those other tasks being done for us so that we can be in our ivory towers just creating. So you've got to find people who can take that burden and share it with you because you're exactly right. Otherwise, you're going to spend your creative time doing the admin, and marketing can be admin, and it can have a creative element of it. But it will take as much time as you give it. So if you don't have a team yet, my suggestion would be automate as much as physically possible, be very targeted and selective of where you go. There are lots of social media platforms right now. They're exploding because one of the big ones is dying. Pick two because you can't have just one. Pick two, have a strategy for two, and set yourself, all right, I'm going to spend two hours a week, and I'm going to automate all the social media I can do for the month in two hours a week so that the rest of my creative time, I'm working on what I want to work on. I'm creating, I'm revising, I'm writing. Because otherwise it'll just fill all the time. She's a genius. Next question.
5: Uh, You mentioned people switching between using like Kickstarter and Indiegogo and and Seed&Spark. Is there any one of those particular services that you would recommend above the others? Or are they largely the same? You need an American bank account for Seed&Spark. Oh, no. Um, that I would, was my plan. Just to begin with, yeah. Um, but I personally think indigo goes quite good, especially if you know you're going to hit your rates. The fixed funding, I think, only takes 10% of what you're doing. The real benefit with Seed&Spark is that it doesn't take any percentage of your crowdfunding money. The downside is American Bank account. Mm-hmm. Um Indiegogo also has um, non-fixed funding which is real good because you can keep whatever money you make if you're going to be making the show anyway no matter how much you raise then that's probably your best bet. Kickstarter lets people back the project in advance, which makes it much easier to reach your goal within uh, you know, the first few weeks of the campaign because anyone who's interested can hop on board a month before the Kickstarter's even launched, which is really helpful. But they had some questionable things going on that might make certain people not want to be involved with that platform anymore. Late-stage
4: capitalism. Next question. This is leading on from the You Need a Team um, comment. Um do you need to have some degree of success before you get a team? And if not, how do you avoid making people do work for free? No. Um, I'd like to say that uh, we started The Secret of St. Kilda. Um, I'd never written a script before, um, and we'd never made an audio drama before. Um, Literally, we didn't. I've never done it before. No problems. How hard can it be? (laughs) The second half of my question is, if not, how do you avoid making people People do things for free? Um,
3: so um, I, I mean, just in, in terms of our example. So the show kind of started out through a kind of friendship through like the core, from the core team. So my co-writer and I um, have been working together and since, since college and wanted to create something together. And the two lead actors, one of them is a long time family friend, and the other one is my sister. So the team. So so um, uh, the the team was in a way the origin of the show. We had a, a set amount of money. We we'd done a theatre project that had generated a little bit of money which we decided to invest in the first four episodes I think it was four or five episodes so we could pay for those Um, and then we all decided that we wanted to keep going but we didn't have the money to um, by that point we had enough money from Patreon to be able to pay one guest actor per episode which is what we needed but we couldn't pay the core team um, so what we did was so Ostan and I um, uh, didn't pay ourselves at all. We only started paying ourselves uh, one and a half years ago, um, and um, but now I make a, it's my living. Um, but for the core team, so that's the two main actors, the sound designer and the graphic designer. We we promised them a percentage of the Patreon profits. So um, that meant that in the first year they made very little. I mean, practically nothing. Um, but now they're doing quite well. So, um, uh, so that's a way that you can get started if you don't have any money. You can say, you can, you can pay people in a percentage of your Patreon funds or your ad revenue. Now uh, now about, we, our revenue is made up three quarters of a Patreon, a quarter of uh, is ad income. Um, and then they are cut in on the future success of the show. Um, So that is one way to do it.
6: This is one of my favorite quotes. It's from Andy Montgomery. And it's, it's okay to do work that generates no revenue. It is not okay to get none of the revenue generated by your work. I think, especially in indie spaces, it's about equity. If we get five bucks between the 50 of us and we're all splitting that equally, that's equity. If we're making 500,000 and we're all splitting that equally, that's equity. You, you need to make sure that you are not... I mean, we don't make enough money doing this. None of us do. But if we all share in whatever is made, that is a very different proposition than from saying, I, the ivory-towered creator, will be receiving all of the name recognition and pay for this creative project, and you, the untold volunteer masses who've made that success happen, will receive nothing. That's not okay.
7: This is something we've... There is a failure of comprehension in a lot of locations with audio dramas in general and podcasts in general, which is there seems to be a belief amongst certain, not so much areas of the press, I don't want to go down that route, but the way that a lot of people see it, they seem to assume that we have people on the team for fun. We don't. The show which I co-host has four hosts, three audio producers, three editors, and about four or five slush readers. If you take any of those out, it collapses instantly near enough there is no such thing as non-essential personnel in audio drama or podcasting and there shouldn't be any such thing if you have the capacity if you're bringing money in as people are working for free i'm a big believer in token payments when you first start out one of our shows before it was our sh- one of our shows did i think 10 pounds a story it was a flat rate and we had authors who would thank us for that because it was more than nothing and i think I think it's an incredibly good question because I think what you've actually done is illuminated the trajectory. A lot of these shows move their way up. As time goes on, as you increase in audience and as you increase in back catalogue, as has already been said, you have the opportunity and the chance of of getting money in and being able to pay people fairly increases. So I think perhaps the big take-home I would take from this is build plans, as has been said, for how people are going to be treated once you have the cash before you have it.
4: There's also a lot to be said for um, if you can get grants, grants are a good way, like Creative Scotland, I know, is one that we've looked at, and various bits and pieces. And if you can, if you're looking and you're like, I really can only afford to make one episode, make one episode, say, hey, if there's ever any money from this, you will get this percent. And now you're saying, hey, the product already exists. You know what the product is going to look like people have seen it. It's better to make one thing and be like, it looks like this that you can give people to invest in later. Um, So what we do for ours is we did our Kickstarter and we had the money to pay all of our actors, but nothing for us, Um, like set aside. And then we said, when the Kickstarter happens, one of our stretch goals was we want to pay people more. If you give us this much money, everybody gets a pay bump because like it's not, it's not fair to make more money and then it just like goes into the pot like what's that about um, and then our production team did not get paid by that but all of our Patreon slash Ko-Fi style money is split completely evenly across the entire production team so like that is how we get paid um, and I think very much in the earlier days we sent Chloe a lot of gifts um, <laughs> and random things man don't underestimate baking Right, okay. I sent Chloe a cult robe, but like, same.
7: Yeah. <laughs> I
4: appreciate <Evening>. both. <laughs> so, a question about, do you know the, Arts Council, uh, helps with the audio uh, Arts Council helps with the audio projects. Yes. Yes. Resounding yes. Um, another question. Niette? How are we doing on time? Uh, two more minutes. Two more minutes. Oh, here we go, Zalia. I'm coming to you. Make it a good one. No pressure. On the subject of social media, what about Discord? Okay, Discord's a thorny beast, right? So uh, I learned a lot from Zalia. Zalia actually took me through how not to do a Discord before we started one, um, because we were afraid. So (laughs) um, a Discord is is the ultimate form of access. So, people can write whatever they want at any hour, and if your cast are in it, they can just like chat to them, unrestrained and without much like look. Um, So, the things that I learned from you, Zalia, are uh, a very strong code of conduct. So, make it clear what is acceptable, what is unacceptable, and if you can, go to somebody who already has a Discord, and say, hey, what's in your code of conduct? Is there anything you wish wasn't your code of conduct. So one thing that I think you picked up for me was like trauma dumping. Sometimes people be like, I've had a really bad day and my cat is dead and my dad is dead and my mum is dead. And then you're like, "That's we're not therapists. You know, like, and you wanna, you, obviously you wanna tell people, I'm so sorry that happened, that's really rough. Do you wanna talk about it? You're not a therapist, you're not licensed.
6: That is not what a fandom space is for. You're creating a, you're not in the business of running a moderated community, you want to create podcasts, right? Running and well moderating a community is a whole separate career, job, skill set, and you need to be very conscious about taking that on because there can be not just reputational comfort you know—consequences, uh, but you can get into sticky legal territory. If if you are engaging with a fan art community and you do not have a fan art policy about what's okay and what's not. And you haven't thought really hard about, okay, do I really want to tell everybody on the internet not to do something? And how well do I think that's going to go for me? (laughs) Right? You know, There are things that, uh, and I say this because I am a lawyer and I work in intellectual property and commercial law. Um, Think about these things in advance. As soon as you start to see, I'm seeing fan art or I'm seeing people writing fan fiction and publicizing it put those sorts of, okay, this is what we think is okay, this is what we don't think is okay kind of guardrails in place because that's going to solve 95% of your problems before they ever happen. Yeah. And then there's that 1% of the problem, trauma dumping is a great example, that there is nothing you can do to prevent. It's not about you as a creator. It's about the fact that you have a space that people have access to. And so you have to think about how, am not, not how do I avoid that, but how will I deal with that yeah. when it happens? And the, the answer to that is you get yourself some really good experienced moderators, and you pay them, yeah. and you treat them well, and you support them, and you send them Christmas cookies and all sorts of other lovely little things. Because those, it's not, you know, we, we think about moderators, oh, it's just a thing, there's this person on Twitch who's going to push the button when somebody swears. No, they are your customer service department. They are the face of your brand to your community. And if you are not supporting that and fostering that relationship, you are setting yourself up to fail because you won't build any trust. And if something goes wrong, I'm a lawyer, we talk a lot about things that go wrong. When something goes wrong, you will have no trust and no voice that will come to you and say, hey, I think this is a problem. Or, you know, you really messed up on that and I love you and I'm gonna help you walk through it as opposed to leaving you out to dry.
4: Yeah. Um, another thing that we learn in the early stages is, yeah, your Discord doesn't have to be all things to all people. Yeah. It's fine. We have ours. Ours is aggressively kept only under Kofi. It's our Kofi reward is access. Um, because it keeps it small. It keeps it manageable. It means people have to give us a minimum of five pounds a month to come in, which means uh, that people who just want to come in and keep and create problems have to pay for the privilege. There is a thriving fan server, which is fine, because it's not our responsibility. What happens in there, I don't have to see it, I don't have to know about it. What happens
6: in fan servers stays
3: Stays in in fan fan servers.
4: servers. Now, Philip, I did see you touch the mic. Would you like to add something?
3: As far as I'm aware, there are three Amelia Project Discords, but they're all fan-run, and uh, running a Discord is something I would never want to do.
4: (laughs) Okay. That is our final question. Um, I would just like to take a moment to say what a beautiful looking panel we have today. Stunning, gorgeous. Mick, can you slap to my last slide, please? Last slide, if you can. I've got all their social medias. It's their Twitter handles because... uh, Good luck. I would encourage you to go and talk to all these wonderful people because they have really great expertise and knowledge. Chloe, go ahead. Everybody cheer for Naomi now. No! That's wonderful! <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> and one slide. Wait, the slide! Thank you. Thank you, Mick, for being the screen goblin in the background. Uh, so just a f- final, final reminder. Ethics Town Pod is crowdfunding currently, and you can give as little as like one pound to make it become a reality. It's a beautiful, beautiful show, and there's hats involved. <laughs> there's a lot of hats.
5: Um, there's really just one hat. And I would
4: good. like to also thank our wonderful sponsor, Alitu. So if you're just rocking around thinking of someone who's a sponsor and who's also great, think of Alitu. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you for listening that was the panel of audio love and joy from last year's audio drama hub podcast this year's one is creeping up on us the 4th of november keep it free all day on saturday we have a program that will blow your mind excite your mind inspire your mind yes there's workshops on directing voice acting and panels on writing and troubleshooting those troublesome things that need troubleshooting. Music and composition in audio fiction. There are live shows, there are competitions in new writing and sound microfiction. Have a look on audiodramahub.com for more information. Please do share this podcast to any of your audio fiction making friends and those who might just want to start. So exciting. Remember on our website there's also links to where to pitch your live show advert. And to send us your trailer, which we will then play during the day. There's also a drinks night on Friday. Look out on the website for more information coming soon. Tickets available this week on the Wickham Swan website. We're so excited the creatives we have involved. Honestly, some creme de la creme of the indie audio fiction making world. Happy creating all, have fun out there. See you on the fourth of November, yeah? Alright. Bye.